This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. And at least for the next couple of weeks, we're still doing a Kickstarter for the book Queer Disbelief. So any support you could give that project would be fantastic. How are you doing? You know, it's been a bear of a week. It has been. My birthday was Sunday. Woke up Monday morning to some really neat news in the country and then <laughs> found out my hours got slashed. So, you know what, Hammett? Life. Life. Somebody told me it seemed like I was very sad in the last episode. <laughs> Sir, this one is not going to be great either. But we're at my place, so my dog is here, and yes. we're drinking good wine. And I'm away from my baby, so I'm drinking wine. Yay. Um, and I'm very tired. Yeah, it's 10 o'clock. It is. (laughs) This is the only time we have to do this. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about what happened over the last week, the crazy massacre. Wait, was it when the world was on fire or slightly after that? The world's always on fire now, but this was particularly bad. Uh, So we don't need to rehash what happened in Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing about it that I wanted to talk about. I know this is a traditional narrative that we're hearing now that after a tragedy, you know, the politicians do this, mm-hmm. the, the media does a particular response to it. It's kind of the same, which is sad. Mm-hmm. It's the same rut over and over. And one of the things is that all of these politicians who have no plans to legislate anything in response to, to the gun deaths, right. they always say, I'm offering thoughts and prayers to the victims and their families because they only have thoughts and prayers and nothing else. At one point this week... Uh, Andrew Seidel from the Freedom From Religion Foundation, Mm. one of their attorneys, was one of many people who saw the trending hashtag prayers for Vegas. Mm -hmm. And he responded back and he said, you know, with 50 dead, 200 wounded at the time Mm -hmm. uh, so far, prayers for Vegas or any other mass shooting won't end gun violence in America. More or less saying stop praying and actually do something that will prevent these sorts of uh, problems in the future. It's a sentiment I think a lot of atheists share. Like, your prayers didn't help after all the other tragedies. Why would it help now? Right. And, you know, the thing is, it's one thing for a random Christian to say, I'm offering thoughts and prayers, because I know they mean well. It's a different thing when it's a politician who says that, when they have the ability to actually do something about this, yeah, and they're not. I mean, and I I do understand the, the instinct to, like, I want to say something nice or I want to be, my dog has a big bone and it's going to drop and it's going to be loud. (laughs) Um, I I want to say something and there's nothing I can actually physically do. But so, you know, we will all say, oh, there's, you know, my thoughts are with you. You're in my thoughts. Like that, I, it's, it's a thing. I get the comfort level of this. I get you just want to say something because what else are you going to do? But it really rings hollow when you have, people who are aggressively not only doing nothing about it, but making sure that this is going to continue to happen. And so today's Thursday, um, the the 5th, October 5th, and just today they released the fact that this guy, uh, what's his face, I don't care what his name is, Mm -hmm. um, he had been scouting other locations, including, but not limited to, uh, Chicago, Lollapalooza. Yeah, and then he didn't show up at the hotel or something. Yeah, and it's, and I just, how, 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 how can this continue? How, and, and I, I think the thing that is really fucking killing me is that it feels like the conversation always goes like this. Like, this happens, and it happens every few months at this point, and 
oh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. The left says, hey, we need to do something about gun control. The right says, this isn't the time, this isn't the time. The left says, maybe we shouldn't have assault weapons. And then you have some really cool people on the internet saying things like, oh, somebody killed a guy with a truck. Are we going to ban trucks? Or like, some, you can stab somebody. Are I can't gonna... drive a truck, so... <laughs> But it's just those are regulated in some ways. It's a, it's regulated, and b, they serve another purpose. And c, so so to for me, it, when I hear somebody say like, "Oh, well, the gun controls we have in place don't work," like, "Hey, sorry, we live in Chicago, Wisconsin, and, and Indiana are hella close," and so whatever. But but the other thing is like, so what are you? So what I'm hearing when you say that is shrug. Oh well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and there's a reporter, Brandon Ambrosino, and I'll talk about who he is in just a second. Uh, He is someone who took issue with Andrew's tweet saying, you know, your prayers aren't helping. Uh, Saying, look, this is someone who says when Christians say they are, you know, you're in our prayers, we're praying for this to stop, they're not just saying, I'm going to pray. They are going to try to do something. That was his argument, that no one, more or less, I put that in quotation marks, like, no one is saying, pray and let's not do anything. That's the thing is, I think a lot of people are. Yeah, well, so Ambrosino's an interesting guy because he went to Liberty University, Jerry Falwell's school. Mm -hmm. He dropped out or left it on purpose because he actually came out as gay while he was a student there, and that's like a big no-no on campus. And in the interim, since he's done that several years ago, he's written an article about coming out as gay at Liberty. It was Mm -hmm. a fascinating piece. He's also made an argument that just because Christians are against same-sex marriage, or a lot of Christians are, it doesn't mean they're homophobes, which we can have that conversation. He also said, he wrote a piece just like a month ago saying the administration at Liberty, this is a great piece, that the Liberty University administration owned, like, really uh, scandalous property in Uh. Florida because I think they made some money from it, even though it goes against their values. And he talked to people because he still has connections there. Like, Mm -hmm. so he's done good investigative journalism, and then you see him trying to straddle the best of both worlds here. So that's kind of where this guy is coming from when he says, look, let me try to defend Christians for a second before you just trash them in your tweet. And so his basic argument... Uh, This is what he said to the argument that prayer doesn't work. Brandon wrote, first of all, how is prayer supposed to, quote, work? What does success even look like when we're talking about prayer? Hmm. Uh, How quickly does it have to happen for it to be the result of prayer? It seems like this accusation made by atheists is informed by a very elementary notion of prayer. As in, Andrew is arguing, you're praying for this to never happen again, and then something happens again. That is proof your prayer didn't work. And Ambrosino is saying a couple things. One being, just because they prayed and then something bad happened, that's not a sign that the prayer didn't work. There's no level of su- uh, measure of success here. But again, it's a total wishy-washy thing. Hammond? I'm not defending it. No, that's just the 
dumbest pile yes. of bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, uh, my like thought how, was like... At that point, how are you being fucking helpful in the conversation? Yeah. If my grandma is sick and I'm praying for her, I'm not, like, waiting for the long term here. I'm saying, look, God, help her now, not 10 years from now when it doesn't make a difference anymore. No, you want immediate action. And I imagine if Christians are saying, I pray that this doesn't happen again... Yeah, they don't want it to see another mass tragedy, another mass shooting, but, and it happens all the time. So their prayers that they said after the previous shooting, yeah. yeah, those aren't making a difference. Yeah, and I think there's also this weird hypocritical element of you hear a lot of the God helps those who help themselves kind yeah. of deal. And so to me, this falls in the same category of like, oh, I'm praying that this doesn't happen again. Well, like, well, you have to do something more than that, governor. Like, you have to... You have the, there are, I think the frustrating thing is not just the random people who, who tweet the thoughts and prayers or whatever, whatever. It's fine. It's a sentiment. It is letting them know that we're with them. It's when I see the Mike Pence's of the world and the people who actually have the power to start making significant changes and just fucking won't. And, and it's, it's, it's unconscionable. It's unconscionable because they, because it keeps happening and it's gonna keep happening. There's no reason it's not going to. I kind of want to just respond back to Ambrosino. Like, how many innocent people have to die in these shootings before a Christian will admit mm-hmm. the prayers aren't working? Because mm-hmm. you won't get an answer about that. And here's the thing that Brandon Ambrosino added He said, look, a majority of Christians have said this in surveys and stuff, they know that a truly prayerful posture, I'm quoting here, requires action. It is useless, he's quoting these surveys, it's useless for Christians to pray unless it's backed up by action. It would be meaningless to do it, to which I say then cut out the middleman. Uh, Yeah. (coughs) To me, that sounds just like, oh, I had a headache, I took an aspirin instead of prayer, and my headache went away. Like, (laughs) it's a magic combination. And the thing is, the survey that he's citing, I looked it up. I mean, it said 61% of Christians believe that a prayer that isn't followed by action Mm -hmm. is basically meaningless. That's where he's getting that from. Which, yeah, in practice, I don't really know how much that works. But then that means there's still like 40% of Christians who think prayers and nothing will lead to No, but that's what I'm saying. I, I think 60% is really high. I think a lot of Christians do believe if they just pray hard enough that that things will be fixed. And I also think the other danger there is when you say, oh, I'm praying for you, it gives you the false illusion that like, oh, I'm doing something to help. I'm saying a prayer. Yeah. As opposed to like the people who are circling the block to, to donate blood in Vegas... I just we would be having a very different conversation if all the Christians who are sending their thoughts and prayers after a tragedy like this were also like on the front lines. Yeah, uh, sending money to fight against uh, all the I'm sorry, to fight gun uh, issues Mm -hmm. where they were saying I'm giving money to the candidate who supports gun regulation. Some common sense measures here. If they did that and said, by the way, I'm also praying for the victims and I pray this doesn't happen again, we'd be having a different conversation. The problem is that too many people, and especially people in power, they are only sending prayers and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And I don't hear a lot of pushback from Christians when that happens either. Mm -mm. Like, no one, you don't see many churches saying, you know, this person said uh, they're praying for the victims. 
And by the way, they're also uh, pushing for this measure to make sure, you know, assault weapons can't be bought Mm -hmm. or something like that. They're not doing those things. That's where it gets frustrating because all I see are people offering their thoughts and not helping. So I don't know. That article rubbed me the wrong way only because he's trying to defend this idea of sending your prayers because there is an implication Mm -hmm. that Christians are going to do something. And they don't. Not in these situations and and certainly not with the party that's in charge. And to me, those are two completely different things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... I'm sure there's no correlation between somebody who either says or tweets or Facebooks or whatever saying I'm praying for whatever versus I'm 100% sure there are many, many, many Christians who are doing something active. But, like, I feel like there's absolutely no... It's not like, oh, people who pray tend to be more proactive. Like, I'm I'm sure that's not a thing that's happening. So so why? So why to defend it? Yeah, I don't know. It, there's just, no reason to defend it. Uh, and honestly, I'm totally with Andrew here. Don't send prayers. Send money. Support candidates. I mean, send senator. money to good causes here. But support candidates who are saying, I'm going to actually do something about mm-hmm. this. And there's a guy uh, who writes for, I believe, Think Progress. His name is Igor Volsky, who has sadly gotten into the habit now of saying after a mass shooting, he will find every Republican member of Congress who is saying, I'm sending my thoughts and prayers. And he responds something like, yeah, well, they're only sending thoughts and prayers because they got $44,000 from the NRA during their last campaign. Like he does that with everybody. And it's always like, of course, he's right. Yeah. And it... I don't know. I in the tweet I see in the tweet I, you know the the sort of sentiment I firmly believe in is that Newtown marked the end of of the gun debate. Because if you can let twenty kids die and do nothing, and what not is just, anything else going to do? And not just twenty kids, but it was I believe the majority, if not all, white in a very nice part of the country in a nice neighborhood with parents. So if that had happened in, like, the south side of Chicago, like, yeah, no, whatever. Like, people are assholes, and they definitely rank people's lives based on their income or skin color or whatever. But the fact that it was young, white, wealthy kids who were murdered, and people are like, well, they should have been packing. Like, it's just, that's it. I I don't, I... It's not going to change unless there are different people in office. And and unfortunately, the people whose minds we need to change are the ones least receptive to hearing that argument. And it's not that I don't want meaningful change to happen. And it's not that I'm not going to do everything in my pretty limited power to to help enact change. I just am feeling very hopeless about it. Join the club. Yeah. Uh, After the event happened... There was, of course, a commentary on this from Fox and Friends oh, because one of the, the one of the strange things that has come after the Vegas shooting is that we still don't really know the motive of the guy who did it's this. Really interesting, and and are we going to talk about like the narrative that's been painted around him? I, I honestly, I don't even know what the narrative is at well, this I, point. Well, I finish your point. I'm going to sure. I mean, circle back. So we don't actually know why he did this. I'm right. sure there are some theories floating around, but. Uh, a couple days after the incident happened on Fox and Friends in the morning, one of the hosts, Ainsley Earhart, was trying to figure out, like, what could possibly have been going through this guy's mind. Mm-hmm. And here was her argument. She said, 
you know, his brother said he didn't believe in God or didn't have a God or didn't have faith in his life. For what it's worth, I looked this up. I cannot find any instance of his brother saying anything like that. If anything, I think his brother just said he wasn't, you know, a religious guy. And she took that as meaning he's like some whatever active atheist. Yeah. So whatever. (laughs) She said he didn't have God in his life. Then she said, this is all speculation, but that could possibly be the reason because, quote, he knows country musicians or country music fans are normally pro-God and go to church on Sundays. Maybe he has a problem with that. Wow, I hope she's stretched before that reach, huh? The best part about this clip, and we'll post a link in the notes, is that after she said that, her two Fox News co-hosts just sat in silence for like a good five seconds where she's just left hanging because... I, it sounded like even they knew that was an idiotic thing to say. Because, look, if you want to go after a bunch of people uh, just waiting for a Sunday night long after church or something to get a random group of people, that is not an anti-God. Like, you, you, this isn't what you would do. Well, There's I mean, no- obviously the wild speculation is fucking absurd but like especially when you now we have more information that like oh he was looking to like Lollapalooza and originally I think he was originally going after maybe a Chance the Rapper concert like clearly this guy wasn't like pinpointing country fans he also she also said on Fox and Friends that he must have been triggered when they sang uh, I think the country is big and rich they sang I'm sorry the band is called big and rich an hour before the shooting happened, they sang God Bless America. And she said that's probably what set him off. Hashtag triggered. Here's how... Sorry, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Here's how little this makes sense. In her mind, they heard... This shooter heard God Bless America, then somehow got access to dozens and dozens of weapons, got them up to his hotel room, broke the windows, and started shooting... Because that's what God Bless America does. And I assume that's like a thinly veiled, like Colin Kaepernick caused this somehow. But like, no, it didn't make sense because this was premeditated. He had to have thought about this well before that night to get all the things he was doing. So, I mean, it just obviously it didn't make any sense. But the suggestion that this guy was going after godly people in Las Vegas late on a Sunday night, which is where all the religious people congregate... (sighs) Like, God. it's just stupid. And but that wasn't even the worst response. But meanwhile, Dylan Roof busts into a church and literally shoots up Christian people. And everyone's like, mm, he's he troubled. He has mental <laughs> health issues. Like, it's this weird. So I what I thought was really interesting is the narrative kind of surrounding. Because we really, really and truly, as of tonight, we know very little about this guy. And we don't know his motivations. Um but what I think is interesting is, like, the, there is a really effective thing that I saw of two headlines side by side, and one was of this guy, and it was, like, John White guy, love country music and gambling, says brother. And then there's another one of, like, another headline of a black kid who got shot, did nothing wrong, and it was something about, like, if you act like a thug, you're going to be treated like a thug. And I'm like, this is... So the if, media disparity and yeah, how we if cover we're talking the about like these narratives that we're going to build up, because listen, at this point, the 24 hour news cycle, w- there's no way speculation isn't going to happen. There's no way these sort of broad narratives aren't going to be built around until we have um, speculate until we have more information. But like, 
it's very easy to see the delineation between when like white dudes do things and basically anybody does anything else because white guys always have mental issues like black guys are always thugs well it's on the similar note yeah i think trump said like we have to wait to figure out the reason before we do anything in response certainly about guns but like after the san bernardino shootings uh they He's like calling for a Muslim ban for on everybody. Oh my god, a thousand percent. I like this week in Donald Trump news is, and I feel like (laughs) I feel like him and our show used to be like really segmented, and now it's just like becoming this mass of just me yelling about Donald Trump and shit. I think that's happening everywhere. Yeah, but this like after this week, for anybody to say that Trump is in any way capable or smart at all or has any leadership skills or knows where Puerto Rico is. <laughs> it's in is, the ocean. Is th- th- huge waters. Hu- big waters? Huge waters. Is the dumbest turn of phrase <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. So so in the last week, and I'm not even sure I have it all, Donald Trump went on Twitter to slam the ma- the mayor of San Juan yeah. or the governor of Puerto Rico. The mayor, mayor of, of San, San Juan. Juan because she said, please help us. And he said, which made him look bad. Which made him look bad because he was doing bad. That's what happens when you do bad things. And he said that Puerto Ricans want everything done for them, which made me want to vomit everywhere and then cry and then throw myself off a bridge. Those three things in that specific order. Good. Yes. Um, and then he went to Puerto Rico and threw paper towels at people like he was firing a fucking T-shirt <laughs> cannon into a college football crowd. And he's still fucking mad about people kneeling about... I just... Okay. And all of these, by the way, I should say, are like almost minor scandals compared to stuff that's actually happening yeah, within the meanwhile, government. Meanwhile, his... Rex Tillerson, who called him a moron? Yeah. It's just... Like, it's just this <laughs> nightmare of incompetency it is the prisoners running the prison it is it is we are living in this i i'm glad we're doing this podcast now because i feel like in 20 years i want to listen back to this if we still have a country or an earth so we can cry so we can just be like wow that was real and that's why like every episode i want to make sure i say like this shit is bad. Trump is the worst because I want that to be earmarked <laughs> forever and ever. I want you want to be on the record for I this. I want my great-great-grandchildren <laughs> to be like, yeah, Gma Jess was like, she knew. <laughs> uh, that, so that response from Fox and Friends wasn't oh, even God, the worst sorry, one. Sorry, I derailed us pretty That's hard. That's all good. There, I got a tip from someone who said, I just saw this on a thread uh, on Facebook, and it was from a devout Mormon. Uh-huh. And here's what this Mormon said. If the victims in the Las Vegas incident were observing the Sabbath day, they would have been safe. I He actually said this, and I know this because it wasn't just from the tipster. I saw other people screenshotting it and talking about it. A tweet you said? This was a post made to a limited group on Facebook. So I could only see it through the screenshots, Uh but I I got his name. I just redacted it on when I posted about it. But people were talking about it because this, here's the thing. This isn't one guy. If you look at the comment thread, a lot of people were defending it. Um, That's what was troublesome to me. It's a Mormon site? Yeah. Forgive me. Do Mormons, do they do the honor 
the Sabbath day as yes. in they don't go out, don't do anything? Uh, that... Not like to the point of Orthodox Jews or something where they're yeah, like, I'm I not going to do anything, but I you're didn't... supposed to reserve Sundays as, you know, a day for God. So spend your days doing biblical things, not going to Vegas to a country music concert. Well, the, I feel like if they're super worried about people, like if God was super worried about people not honoring Sundays, like I have a lot of people in Chicago who get like shit faced drunk at like bottomless mimosa brunches on Sunday. So like start there. Country music is fine. <laughs> I'm usually. But it, here's why that argument. Ne- I mean, I don't know why we have to dissect this, no, but yeah, it's worth doing it anyway. Here's why this argument is dumb. These tragic shootings do not always happen on a Sunday, and you can't use that excuse when other innocent... Like, Sandy, the kids at Sandy Hook were not not obeying the Sabbath. Like, they went to school. These people were at a concert. God, talk about they, fucking victim I'm sure blaming. Lo- I'm sure even in Vegas, I'm sure a lot of them went to church that morning. Uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of them were devout. So, like, to suggest that they're not pious enough, and that's why, yeah, well, they were kind of asking for it, is just awful. And again, if this was one guy, w- this is not necessarily it's a conversation. Saying, thing. But it's the fact that there were so many people agreeing with him, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, well, that's what you get for going out on a Sunday. You right. should have known better. Right. Uh, it's infuriating. And that wasn't n- even the last thing. There oh, was another Jesus. thing that happened, too, uh, which was... On CNN, I think the morning, maybe two, after the shooting, one of the hosts talked to one of the survivors who was there and made it out, and he was doing okay. And here's what the guy said. I, go to church? Uh, I know I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I was agnostic going into that concert, and I'm a firm believer in God now because there's no way that all that happened and that I made it. And I, I'm blessed enough to be here talking, uh, alive, talking to you today. So I'm not going to make fun of that guy. That guy went through some shit yeah. on Sunday night, and I'm glad he's okay. And if he suddenly thinks I'm a believer now, whatever. Boop, boop. But this uh, this idea that I survive a tragedy that 59, 58 people 59 did not survive, mm-hmm. and it must be a miracle for me. God must be sending me a sign. How I've heard this before. This is not an original. Yeah, this is not an original thought on my end. That's like saying I, I want to thank the serial killer yeah. for going to my neighbor's house instead of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing as when people talk about like, women don't dress slutty because you'll be raped and it's like oh by not dressing slutty you mean i want him to rape somebody else and not me (laughs) like it's all this yeah or the plane crashes and you survive and it's like thank god for that miracle that same god just killed everybody else i mean don't praise that guy that god is not worthy of worship it's just a horrible thing so we could i think it's fair to criticize the comment i'm not saying this guy's an idiot because like no, again, also, that guy went through hell and back. Very much in the the immediate aftermath yeah. of it. So I, but I, it's something that I hear after every sort of tragedy oh, no, where you know those it's survivors make guy. it through, and then if not the survivors, other people mm-hmm. will say, "Look at what God did for that person." Mm-hmm. Like that, your God did all the other shit too. Don't right. let God off the hook right, right now. Um, the I, I, was, I don't know if it was Jason Aldean or uh, who was the singer or one of his bandmates said. Uh, pretty widely posted some stuff about like, oh, I used to be like super pro Second Amendment and this has changed my mind. Was it Jason Aldean? Uh, I don't think it was the singer. I think it was someone in his band. Yeah. Um, And I think this is a super interesting thing that happened. And and I want to start by saying like, 
that's great that he changed his mind. It He took a step in the right direction, and I applaud him for it. It's always difficult to say you were wrong about a thing, and, and good, great. However, <laughs> this is the thing that we see over and over and over and over that if it doesn't affect me or if it hasn't touched my life personally... It doesn't matter, and I don't care. This is every Republican who has a gay son, and now all of a sudden I don't think gays are, like, the devil. <laughs> you I, didn't need the personal connection to say that one. Yeah, and I, I guess that's the thing, and I, and I feel like I talk about empathy a lot, but I think it's something that I find I, I really struggle with seeing in, in places because I see... So um, I have this really dumb thing that I do that sometimes if I'm feeling really helpless, I fights on Facebook with That's people. That's always good. We've talked about this before. Usually <laughs> WGN is my go-to because <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. Um, so you're going on the news webs on the Facebook page yeah. for the news channel and picking fights with the other commenters? Uh-huh. Oh, what are you doing? It's, I just, it's, honestly, I think it's because I tend to be surrounded by people who agree with me. And so I just need an <laughs> out, I, it's, it's, I need an outlet. And I also like to set up give everybody the most benefit of the doubt of like saying, okay, what I am, what I am saying is X and Y and Z. And, and usually it's about, God, what was the last one I argued about? It just about like San Juan and like people should have health insurance and thing to my like general liberal, Hey, like people shouldn't be starving to death because they're poor is usually my like thesis statement. And so I like to give them a very specific, like say somebody ends up in a situation where they can't afford X, Y, Z, they have a kid, they're whatever. Are you saying that person should not be helped? And cause I just want to make sure that I don't want to like obfuscate. I don't want to sort of like play tricksy. I just want to be like, I am saying that this person should be given food cause they're a human in the world. What say you? Anyway, God, I lost my train of thought completely. Oh, oh, empathy. <laughs> Fuck. But so that's what I see all the time is empathy. It didn't happen to me, and therefore I don't need like I don't need to worry about it. Or it's never gonna happen to me. I'm dudes are never gonna be pregnant, so they don't have to worry about birth control. And so when I see things like like this specific thing with with the gun control thing, it concerns me in an, in a large scale of does every person have to be affected by every single thing for them to give a fuck about it? Because I feel like uh, Megyn Kelly is a good example of that, of when it comes to, like, women shit, she can be badass. Like, she once in a while she'll bust something out. I'm like, oh, my God, like, this chick gets it. But anything that doesn't affect Megyn Kelly... she will yell at somebody and say um, Santa Claus is white. And so, and I think it's just a lesson that we all need to learn as a human race. And Jesus race. is white. And Jesus is white. Obviously, you know, in Africa where white people come from. Yes. Um, Africa? You came sure. from Northern Africa. Fuck. Why do I say things and I can't back them up? Anyway, <laughs> I, I think it's a thing that we all should be thinking about and considering of if it... A, it could happen to you no matter what it is. No matter how much money you have, you can end up broke on the street or you can, you know, have your hours cut by (laughs) two-thirds and not know what you're going to do next month. But, like, why does it have to happen to you for you to care? 
It's a thing I'll never understand. Yeah, it's something that you see way too much right now with conservatives. That it is. It's always conservative. It's always, always, always conservatives, and it makes me fucking well, bonkers. On a similar note, uh, Steve Scalise, he's the House member who was shot in the ba- the baseball game, the congressional baseball <laughs> yeah. game, and he's now back. So he's doing okay as much as he can be, I guess. And one of the people who saved his life, one of the Secret Service people who saved his life, a was lesbian? a lesbian uh, security officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forgot if she, like, jumped on top of him or something, but yeah, she saved him. And one of the things he's doing this weekend as we're recording this is he's speaking at, I think, a summit for the Family Research Council, which is a notoriously anti-gay group. It's like, that person saved your life and you're... I know this isn't what was going through his mind, but it's like she saved your life and you're now going to a benefit for a group that is doing everything it can to take away Kevin, her rights. She was one of the good ones. Mm. But it's just he doesn't even care disc- about that. But the, th- the thing is, I bet he doesn't even equate those two things. I think, I think they had this ability to like meet one black guy and be like, well, that guy was cool, but black guys at all are thugs or whatever garbage they're saying. So like, the one person saved me, but the rest of them can go right. to hell. Or, they don't deserve or rights. Or I think the other thing is when people talk about, oh, um, so Con Kaepernick is kneeling because of the police brutality and that, you know, black people, black men specifically, are being just slain in the streets by by police and not getting the protection that many of the rest of us are getting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, and then, and then the argument I hear is, oh, these rich football players like they think they're being oppressed like how dare they blah 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 and it's literally these people are unable to see like he's not worried about himself right. he is worried about other people and how is that not a thing like that feels and this is the one platform that he has to use that Ugh. people will actually pay attention to what all the football players are doing yeah it's right before the game yeah so why not uh, I have one, uh, another story that is tangential to the stuff we're talking about, but there is a connection. Uh, there was this woman in, I think, Tennessee. She got some really horrible news not too long ago where her father was diagnosed with stage four, a brain tumor. Oof. Like, really horrible. So, yeah. And she and her son then got that news, and then they were driving back home, and she gets T-boned by a bus that ran a red light. Fuck. So just... A horrible day on top of another horrible day at the same time. The car crushed, obviously. Here's the good news. She and her son are doing fine. Okay. I, the min- It was minor injuries. Mm. Every, everyone on the bus is doing fine, too. So was it, a, I know, this is down the school bus? School or bus. bus. Okay. Uh, but here's what the lady said later on. She said, you know, she's still trying to digest everything that just happened, but she's mm. a devout Catholic, and she said, quote, God was looking over us that day. Well. And again, she's been through a lot. This is not like a, I'm going to make fun of the lady, but it's the step back and see the same big picture here for a second. The God that you think saved your life almost killed you. How is that worth praising? I still do not understand. Like how much, why does God only get credit for the good stuff? I know this is an age old question, but it's the same idea that, oh, I survived the shooting, and therefore God's looking out for all of us or something. Yeah. Like, only happens to you, and you made it. But seriously, that same God, what, if he, if your father died, then does God get praise for that? I mean, by the way, I should add, after she said that, and after all this, her father's tumor actually went away, yeah. or, or back down, or something. Oh, that's great. I think there's still health problems in her family, if I remember correctly, but... 
the point is like awful news, awful news. She's alive, therefore God is good. So I think, because like you said, this has been a conversation that atheists have been having for as long as Christians have been saying that. Um, I think the best way to address it is, have you ever heard of uh, Tim Minchin's song, Thank You, God? Oh, I'm trying to think of that song in particular. I'm not sure. So it's a set, the, the setup is that he was in like Perth or Adelaide or somewhere in Australia. I know those places aren't close. It's one of those cheap <laughs> places, maybe. No, he's from Perth. Not an interesting story. Anyway, some guy came up and said, like, you're an atheist, whatever. I want to tell you that my mom had something in her, eye, like some eye issue and her church prayed over it and it went away. And he does like a seven minute song about <laughs> a really there's nothing else that could have happened besides God healed you. B thank God like thank you God for ignoring any kid with like malaria and be like oh she was gonna be blind in one eye. We really need to focus our energies on that. I absolutely highly highly encourage people to go listen to that song because it just sums up everything so well because it just runs the scale of (laughs) all of the reasons that that's a dumb thing to say but like whatever you do you anyway i'm just because you can't say anything to that because we're assholes not to her but we could say to the people who hear that phrase and agree with her like no 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 no. the same god all forget it all right here's a totally totally different story uh, it's disappointing, but it doesn't involve death, thankfully. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know. That's where our bar is now. <laughs> Thanks, Trump. So there is this giant cross in Florida. It's in Bayview Park in Pensacola. It's a giant Christian cross monument mm-hmm. that is just there. It's been there for like 75 years. And earlier this year, an atheist sued over this. Mm-hmm. They tried politely to get it to be removed or moved. Didn't happen. They sued. This June, a district court judge said, yep, that's unconstitutional. The city has 30 days to take it down. The city said, we're going to fight this. We're going to go to an appeals court and figure this out, which is weird. First of all, for a couple of reasons, they've already spent $130,000 fighting this battle. That's taxpayer money that is going to fight this battle. So that's dumb. We don't know how this is going to play out because they haven't ruled, the appeals court hasn't ruled yet. Mm -hmm. But here's what happened this week in the case that is just fascinating. There was an amicus brief signed by 14 different attorneys general from across the country, a lot of conservative lawyers here. You said amicus? Yeah, basically saying, look, we have no role in this case, Uh but we all stand with the city of Pensacola saying this is totally fine. So they're like, here's our legal argument for why it's okay. And look at us. Like, we have some weight here as the attorney general. So, you know, all of us are on board saying this is legal. So what possible argument could they make that this cross is okay to keep there? They actually said three different things in their lawsuit saying, here's why it's okay. Number one, a giant Christian cross could serve a secular purpose. Suck my dick. And the reason they're saying that is they're like, look, when someone dies, you might see a cross on the side of the road. When somebody dies, you might crucify them also. That could serve (laughs) a secular purpose. You don't have to be a Christian to be crucified, Hemant. That's just science. (laughs) And those they're saying, well, you know, a lot of police officers and families just put crosses on the road to mark where their loved ones died. But that's not okay either. Like, it's one thing for a family to do it, but there have been lawsuits filed saying, oh, like in Utah... 
the police, the roadside people there, they put crosses. Even if a Jew died, they would put a cross to represent where that person died. It's like, that's not okay. Yeah. So, but they were arguing, look, that's a secular thing. Like, no, a cross is a cross. It is a Christian symbol. Here's the second thing they said. Oh, the other reason they said it's secular. It's like, it's been around for a long time. This has been up for 75 years. No, No one complained until now. Yeah, you know why they didn't complain until now? Because they would get backlash. Because they would be and like, they'll still get backlash. And they'll and still I get think, backlash now. And honestly, that specifically is the re- like I I'm not crazy about these like small town lawsuits of like let's get it down. And I it's not a thing blaming anybody. Like I just hate that they have to exist, right? But like this is the exact reason they do have to exist is, oh, it's been up 35 years. I don't know why we have to do. hug me a problem with it now. Right. That's Tradition Im- doesn't make it okay. That's what I think all Christian lawyers sound like, by Nicely the way. done. That was a good impression. Thank you. So, um, so they said it's been up forever and yeah. no one complained about it. So like clearly everyone was fine with it and they didn't see it as some Christian monument. No, they did. They were afraid of what people like you would do. Here's the second thing they argued. The whole establishment clause, the government can't establish a religion, that is all about coercion, and there's nothing coercive about this cross. Mm. It's a giant cross in a park. If that doesn't scream, hey, there's something else about Christianity, and all of you should come on board. Like, I feel like coercion would be, you would be saying something very different if we were talking about a symbol of Islam. Oh. Or we were talking about a satanic and monument is, here. You would be saying, no, this is influencing my kids. Yeah. It's bad. How do I explain two men holding hands to my kids? Like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Fucking talk to your kid. Yes. Um. No, and I think that is always, always, always the best way to go. Is like, if this was a Star of David or if this was some kind of Islamic symbol... Would you be feeling the same way? Because the same arguments would apply. So, like me as yeah, an atheist, but other people aren't dicks to do this. <laughs> like it's just a well, Christian it's not even thing. Di- I mean, it's definitely dicks, but it's just this sen- this like inflated sense of entitlement of like I believe the majority and might makes right. So that's it. Like, yep, cool. We're in the majority. Let's do it. Crosses for everyone. And the third thing they said oh, is when the oh yeah we're only at two. Uh huh. The third thing they said is. When this cross was recently rededicated or something, the mayor of Pensacola said, of the cross, giant cross, there will always be a place for religion in the public square. Basically admitting this is all about religion. And the, the 14 attorneys general were like, he didn't mean it like that. Oh, <laughs> how did he mean it? I, I don't know. They oh, said it doesn't undermine the historical well, and cultural and significance not, is what they said. Not only, Hammond, not only is, I don't know if you knew this about crosses, not only is it not specifically a Christian symbol, and but, in, but also a secular symbol, but also it's not just secular. It also represents all other religions. So the Apparently. cross represents Christianity. It represents zero religions. It represents all religions. <laughs> so good job, cross. You really yeah. have your bases covered. And here's the thing about this thing. So who knows how influential this amicus brief will be from the 14 attorneys general. But here's what I would say. This is why it's important to fight these types of mm-hmm. battles. Because look, if people didn't fight it for 75 years, it's being used against them when they're actually making a yeah. good case against it. And it's another reason to say, I think there's some atheists who will say, 
this is such small potatoes compared to the real problems in our world. Why are we doing this? Because of this. And this is the same argument I heard with the roadside crosses, which is like, look, someone died. Maybe a city put a cross to honor that person. Yeah. But atheists, back off. It doesn't look good on your end because you're going after like a dead kid. Yeah. And it's hardly harmful. Mm -hmm. If you don't go after that... They are going to use it to do something bigger. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of that. They are using the fact that a lot of cities get away with putting crosses when someone dies right. as an, as proof that it's okay to put a right. giant cross in a public park. So this is why. Don't let anything slide when it comes to church-state separation. you got to fight back against this stuff. So anyway... That happened. Hey. All right. I got two more for you that are totally unrelated to all the stuff we've been talking about so far. Neat. You're welcome. So here is the first one, and it involves a judicial nominee who is being appointed by Trump. Give Trump, we can criticize him all we want. And I The will. one thing he's done that is, from a conservative perspective, really good is that he is appointing all the judges they want. And I'm not just talking about Neil Gorsuch, but all the appellate courts, all the district court judges, he is going fast. He's nominating, like, everybody. Meanwhile, I think he still has, like, slots open in his cabinet. Yeah, like, probably. But all the justices are being nominated and, like, confirmed relatively quickly, which is scary, because that <sighs> is what is going to be his legacy after, like, whatever, whenever he leaves office. But those people are getting nominated. But here's the thing. We raised this on a previous episode where one of the people who was nominated uh, to become not, not a judge, just nominated to be like a deputy director of the Office of mm. Management and Budget. Like basically no one would normally care about this. Mm-hmm. When he was in his confirmation hearing, Bernie Sanders asked this guy about an article he wrote for a right-wing website because the guy, who is a Christian, had written for a right-wing website and said Muslims had a, quote, deficient theology. They would be condemned. Have we talked about this before? We did. Okay. And basically the argument was, I mean, it doesn't look good, <laughs> but this guy is a conservative Christian. He thinks Muslims are going to hell. They That's don't accept Christ. That's for what he believes. That is what pretty much every evangelical believes. Oh, yeah. This is what we talked about on um, the Great Deleted episode. Oh, yeah. That's right. And so Bernie Sanders, here's what I didn't like about what Bernie Sanders said. He was saying, you said these horrible things that Bernie Sanders said were Islamophobic. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I would, Bernie Sanders said, I'm not going to support your nomination because I don't think you can be impartial while in this office. And while I appreciate the sentiment, the guy kept responding saying, sir, I'm a Christian, as like that was his on-loop response to everything Sanders said. And there was never any connection made to how his religious beliefs would influence him in the job. And without that... You can't say this guy is bad because, like, everyone has their beliefs. Everyone thinks everyone else is wrong. Right. So this is not special. We think they're all wrong. Yeah. And so the question is, how are you going to treat everyone in the office and the people you're supposed to represent? Like, do you have the ability to be objective about it? Yeah. And without that answer and without, like, a bad answer there, like, there's no reason to say this guy can't do the job. Because arguably any Christian... Believes the same thing. Believes the same thing, whether or not they wrote it down. Yes, and I think Sanders was just ignorant on that front. He just doesn't understand the religion aspect of this. I think you're right. Saying that Muslims are whatever theologically deficient or condemned—that is kind of the package when you accept Christianity. Okay, that happened a while ago. 
Here's what happened more recently. Trump nominated this woman, Amy Coney Barrett, to be a federal judge. Another okay. conservative lawyer, a uh, judge. Somebody with the last name of Barrett is Barrett. conservative? I can't. Yep. And can't he's nominated that. her to be a judge. And so she's in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who is on that committee, mm-hmm. basically started grilling her on whether she would try to overturn Roe v. Wade. And... And she, it, whether she would do it because of her deeply religious background. And the standard response you hear from any nominee is a couple things. One is, I think it's precedent, be, so I wouldn't change any. Like, the implication being, I respect the courts. Right. The other thing they might say is, I'm not going to answer that because it might come up in front of me, and I don't want to answer a question be that biased. I don't have the evidence in front of me or something. There's ways to get around this. Mm-hmm. But basically saying, I know you're religious, I want to know what you're going to say, And here's the thing Feinstein said, the dogma lives loudly within you, basically saying, I don't trust that you could separate your religious beliefs from the way you're going to rule. And other senators, other Democrats basically agreed in saying that I don't think I wouldn't vote for your confirmation because I don't think you could separate the two. And they left it at that. And Why so, this woman in particular? Uh, she's all written of about the Christian it. conservatives who are on the courts. Because she's someone who actively talks about it I instead think. of simply, this is who I am and what I believe. Yeah, no, yeah, she yeah. has written a lot of stuff about it. And here's the thing. Uh, that didn't get a ton of attention. Uh-huh. So last week, a New York Times reporter, Lori Goodstein, mm-hmm. actually dug into this woman's religious beliefs. She was okay. trying to figure out, okay, what is it that this person believes that you know, some of these Democrats on the Judiciary Committee felt was so over the top that she couldn't be confirmed. What she found was that Barrett belongs to a conservative Christian group called People of Praise. They all, all the members of this small group, pledge an oath of loyalty to one another. Oh. They have clearly defined roles for men and women. Women are literally called handmaids in the group. You're fucking not with even kidding me right now, Hemant <laughs> So all of this, and they. All have like mentor. Wait, I'm not yeah. done. Oh, don't so, act like you can just like fucking pivot off that. The men are called heads. Oh Christ on a fucking crut. <laughs> uh, is Handmaids from like? Does it predate Handmaids? I think tale? it does. It does predate the book. So Ooh, that is not great optics, <laughs> though, my so, dudes. So one of the things the men are called heads. Heads. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> but w- what the, they said is that within the group. All the people have, like, older mentors that they go to for advice, and that advice includes, like, who should I date? Who should I marry? The jobs I should take. Hammond, do you think they're older mentors? They're men, I bet. Drink your wine. Okay, you say that every time. That was a really fucking B-minus joke. I've made worse jokes on this podcast. How dare you? You're not a teacher anymore. (laughs) So... Okay. We know that this is what the group does. Yeah, it looks a little weird from the outside. But the question again is... I just left my own joke <laughs> again. <laughs> the question is, how are these religious beliefs going to impact this person in office? And the reporter, Goodstein, got in touch with one of the people who really leads this small conservative group. Uh-huh. And she asked him, you know, what's going to happen? Here's what the guy said. If and when members hold political office or judicial offices or administrative offices, we would certainly not tell them how to discharge their responsibilities. Sure. All right. Look, we might be weird to you all, <laughs> but we're not going to we're not going to tell her how to like how to judge a case. We have a line too, sir. <laughs> Pretty much. And so, but here's the thing. Good reporting, that's an interesting yeah. thing to bring up. It makes her look a little better. Mm-hmm. But conservatives, a lot of them, were furious because 
how dare anyone go after this woman's religion and inspect it and dig into it. very dare they. (laughs) Bill Donahue called it Catholic baiting from the left. One guy from the... Wait, is she Catholic? Uh, Yes, conservative Catholic group. The National Review called it a hit piece. (gasps) Um, The The a, A person writing for the Federalist said the New York Times had joined the campaign as if this was all coordinated against a Roman Catholic nominee. But like, no, this is a legitimate question. How will her, will her beliefs tell her in some way or another how to treat a certain issue is like an abortion rights issue, just a non-starter because of where she's coming from. And it's such garbage. We should know that. Cause you'd better fucking believe that if I ever ran for office, some like some poor schmuck would have to listen to all 200 hours of this garbage podcast <laughs> and be like, well, she hates men and she hates white people and she wants to murder babies. So maybe not so much. Like it's w- w- when you put your shit out there, it should be fair game. Yeah. And again, religion. No one's saying I don't want to murder babies. I just want to make that clear. Oh, I'm we don't. Choi- uh-huh. Oh, I don't. I'm speaking for Jessica. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just so we're clear, this is a Jessica-only opinion. Thank you for clarifying that. How dare you ruin my reputation? Yeah, this is fair game because what you believe, what you're coming into the profession with, if it's going to influence how you vote, we ought to be able to question it. No one's saying she can't become a justice because she's Catholic. No one's saying she can't be nominated. That's where this whole idea of a religious test comes into play. But if, like, you hold really stupid views... That's fair game. You know what's fucking ironic? Is you know if a Muslim was running for it, people would be like, she's a fucking Muslim. Like, she can't run for this shit. Those motherfucking hypocrites. I've been slugging wine this thing. I'm getting belligerent and angry. Like, they're so fucking hypocritical. Like, if it, again, it always comes back. If it affects me personally, it's a thing that the whole fucking nation has to worry about. If it's a thing that will probably never happen to me or definitely won't happen to me, like, then... Have you ever heard of keeping your legs closed? I'm, I just, I just can't with everything right now of this idea of you need to make perfect choice. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going back to talking about abortion again because that's all I think about is this idea. (laughs) It's not, it's this idea of like, even if, even if somebody makes a bad choice, they're saddled with that for the rest of their life. Whereas nobody would be like, oh, you weren't wearing a seatbelt when you're in this car crash? Like, sorry, it looks like you're going to bleed to death. Did you ever hear of, like, (laughs) keeping your, whatever the equivalent of keeping your legs closed in a car is? Like, it's just such fucking garbage that not only, it, I just. While we're on the subject. Oh, cool, cool. Something that's going to keep me really chill. Oh, yes. Uh, Tim Murphy, he's a House member. I hate him already. Yes. He is an anti-abortion congressman. Uh, I can't remember what state he's from. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. One of the he square is states. someone who That's says not true. the square states are excellent. <laughs> uh, he's pro-life, quote unquote. He is part of the House uh, pro-life caucus. He is someone who has pa- voted. He is someone who has voted for things that are anti-abortion. And then we find out this week that he texted his mistress. To say, basically, you should go get an abortion so my love child doesn't ruin us. This motherfucker. Beautiful. Oh, God. How much schadenfreude? Schadenfreude? No, I think I nailed it. All right. How, how, God, how many times on this podcast, on this very, when you're writing notes, are you saying things that you should cut out because I said dumb things? Uh, No, I'm making notes of uh, things to use against you when you run for office. (laughs) 
Um, um, how many times on this very podcast have I shouted about there's no such, there's no moral abortion except for my abortion? <laughs> how many yeah. times have I said this? And how many times has it ever like come together and just like a like this this <laughs> it's not just a woman picketing or a dude picketing outside of Planned Parenthood. It is this motherfucker who's trying to legislate against abortions and he's like, oh shit, I got the 19-year-old I was fucking pregnant. Whoops. I'm not amoral. I'm a good Christian boy. I'm a good, good Christian boy. He's Look a Republican from Pennsylvania, by the way. Oh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and then at least squarish. I was in uh, the Today or yesterday, he announced he's going to resign before the end of the month. So yeah, good. You know why, dude? Because you're a fucking asshole and you're. I'm going to wake up my husband. He's asleep. He still has to work <laughs> to support this family. That fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I love you. <laughs> well, like, how. The number I would love to see, and I'm sure it exists, tweeted at me, y'all, Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-E. <laughs> I know there's lists of dudes who did, like, anti-gay legislation and then, like, were, like, diddling the pool boy or yeah. this kind of situation. And, like, how fucking, how dare you? How fucking dare you? And I know that sounds like a sarcastic thing, but it's absolutely sincere. Like, how fucking dare you pretend that abortion is so immoral and, oh, we need to make sure women aren't making bad choices for themselves and make sure they have 36 hours to think about it because, oh, you don't want to make a mistake like this that you have to live with the rest of your life. But all of a sudden, you fuck your mistress and she gets knocked up and, like, oh, that was clearly... Like, how Dare these motherfuckers. He wins the Ted Haggard Award of the Week. I just want to burn it down sometimes, you know? Like, I just yes. want to burn it the fuck down. And I don't mean literally, and I'm not threatening anybody specifically. <laughs> I mean, emotionally and metaphorically, just burn it to the ground and let's try again. This isn't working. <laughs> yeah, he's only the latest, but good. One more gone. Keep going, people. God, I just... I, I, I will end this on a happier note. You will like this one. I promise you. You've burned me before, Hannah. That's very true. Okay, here's the depressing story. You motherfucker. Um, Are you serious? No. Oh. In 2014, this guy, David Justin Freeman, he goes to church in Georgia, as many people do, <laughs> and the pastor asked this congregation of like 250 sorry, is people. This a real story? This sounds totally like real one story. of those like legends. The church is called... And that man was Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> the church is called 12 Stone. One word, by the way, 12 stone. 12 written out or one, two? One, two stone. That's kind of dope. So he goes to church (laughs) and basically the pastor says, hey, all 250 of you, it's the beginning of the school year. Stand up if you're a teacher so we can pray for you to have a good year. That's very nice. Fine. 50 people or so get up. They all get prayed for. Fine. high teacher ratio. David Justin. Yeah, it is. David Justin Freeman gets up. And what does he do? Just gives the middle finger (gasps) to the pastor. (laughs) That's it. He just flips the pastor the bird. And here's here's the best part about the whole thing. Not only did he flip the finger to the pastor, he stares him down angrily. So why would he do that? As far as I can tell, the only reason is this guy homeschools, so he doesn't like these teachers who work in public schools. And why are we praying for them? But that's not the point. The point is... No, that is absolutely the point. (laughs) This guy... (laughs) The pastor noticed this, 
the pastor noticed the guy giving oh, him the finger and he got kind of freaked out by this. Like I'm, you're staring me down and you're flipping me the bird. Like, and you're in Georgia, so you're probably packing. <laughs> so I'm kind of is scared of you. Stereotype? Sure it is. So he's like, I'm kind of scared of you. So he basically asks a local sheriff. I don't know if he just had one nearby because it's <laughs> 250 people in the same room. Whatever. He gets the local <laughs> sheriff like, man can him? you do something about this? And they arrest this guy <gasps> and charge him with disorderly conduct. And as they're taking him away, he yells to the audience, don't send your kids to the evil public schools. Don't let Satan or the devil raise your kids. (laughs) I told you we'd end on a good one. (laughs) And then he was basically convicted of disorderly conduct, which meant a year of probation and $270 in fines. Oh. So basically, this guy... (laughs) I know. So the issue wasn't the screaming when he's being taken away. It's the middle finger and stare down. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is an excellent story. Because you know why? There's no good guys in that story. And what this guy said is he's like, there's no way throwing up my middle finger was disorderly conduct. Yeah. Like... I was basically, it was free speech. Yep. You can, I wasn't, just because I gave a symbol or something, it does not mean I violated the law by doing that. I was not threatening this guy. I was just voicing oh my opinion. My God. This case made it all the way to the Georgia Supreme Court. And this week, <laughs> this week, the U- Georgia Supreme Court unanimously said that earlier conviction was wrong. We are all free to flip the bird to the pastor in church. Oh, what a time to be alive. (laughs) And here's what the court said. There's no evidence that Freeman engaged in additional threatening conduct that would have elevated his raised middle finger to the level of conveying, quote, fighting words or a, quote, (gasps) true threat. They said fighting words? They said fighting words. They also said the pastor could not have been placed in, quote, reasonable fear of the safety of his life, limb, or health, which is what disorderly conduct would have to do. Oh, my God. Um, And they said his middle finger constituted a constitutionally protected expression. So was it disrespectful? Yeah, sure, we can have that argument. But it wasn't illegal, so happy middle fingering, everyone. That. When you go to church on Sunday. Wow. In Georgia. That sure took me on a <laughs> roller coaster, huh? So um, that happened. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's, that's And here I was doing excellent. it like from the safety of my home. I didn't realize I, I could go to church and do it. Um, before we wrap up, yes. there is an excellent New Yorker article um, about Ginsburg shutting down uh, Gorsuch. Um, and basically, he was just being a twat, and she put him in his place. This is in the gerrymandering case. It is in the gerrymandering okay. case. I don't want to dig too deep into it, because it's like it's just her being excellent. But for some reason, it really is important for me to point out that Gorsuch is the... So in, the, in less than a year, Neil Gorsuch has dominated oral arguments, lectured his colleagues, and given dubiously appropriate public speeches. So Neil Gorsuch is that guy in your freshman English class who, like, took some AP courses in high school and has, like, read the Iliad and just really... <laughs> like, he is this is fucking know-it-all nutbag, and I hate him. And it... Like, nothing gives me greater joy than RBG, like, shutting somebody the fuck down, and specifically this D-bag. Anyway, 
Go um, RBG. Yeah. Hey, I was thinking. Yes. So you know how our podcast tends to be kind of a bummer sometimes? We should do... Yes, go on. No, what were you going to say? I don't know what I was going to say. Like, we should end on a thing that, like... I'm getting this from the My Favorite Murder podcast because they talk about murder, and they always end by saying, like, what's the thing that made you happy this week? I can go first. Please do. I have to think about this. Okay, well, you do have a newborn son, so I hope that's somewhere in your realm Eh, of happiness. He smiled once between poops. Did he? It was cute. Do they smile yet? Or is is it the thing where he has gas and it looks like he's smiling? Yeah, I think that's probably close to That's okay. I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. I will tell you my story of what made me happy. Thank you. I've told you this privately, but I feel like we could share this with the world. Mm. Um, it. So a couple weeks ago, Olive Garden says... Oh, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Olive Garden says, you can have unlimited pasta for like two months. Here's the catch. It's a hundred bucks and you have to sign up for it as soon as we say go. And last time we did this, it was all sold out in one second. So now I have a goal in life. So I'm waiting on my computer for the moment to arrive. By the way... They only have 22,000 of these, so I really have to get in fast. But they say if you want to go for $200, we have 50 of these passes that do the exact same thing, but we'll throw in a trip to Italy. (laughs) So now it's like a game of, oh, no, which one should I try to sign up for? I'm only going to get one chance to do this. And do I really want to go to Italy with people who won the Olive Garden contest? Because I got to stick by their side. I read the fine print. I got to stick by their side for the <laughs> entire week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, screw it. I will go for the all-you-can-eat pasta bowl. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as it happens, I click, and I get like the spinning pinwheel of death. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Did I not get it? Did I get it? I open up a new browser. I go back to the screen. I say, give me. And it Have says... we it clear that you work from home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's very obvious here. <laughs> I open up the other browser and I click on it again and it says, we're sold out. Go the hell away. I'm like, damn it. So I go back to my spinny wheel browser. I'm like, I don't know what this means. This is all I'm living for at this point. <laughs> and then finally it says, here's the screen you want. Tell us your credit card information. We will get like, we'll send you this thing. I'm so excited. So I type in the information. I click go. And I get an email that says your credit card was declined. I'm like, no. You're like, I'm Why? on that friendly atheist money. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what did I do? So, but they're like, don't worry about it. You can click on this link right here and we'll give you another chance to do it. It'll be fine. So I'm like, good. I have another credit card. I went ahead and typed in that information. And what happens? I get another email that says your card's been declined like we've without taken all of the money without a link to do it again. I'm like, no. <laughs> so now I'm very depressed for this thing that I only knew existed a couple hours ago. <laughs> and so I'm like looking at the Olive Garden Twitter feed, and I'm like, what are other people saying? Because they must be happy that they got theirs. Yeah, I want to and I see, their joy. And I see other people saying, my card was declined. My card was declined. I'm like, I'm not alone. This isn't just me. It's a glitch everywhere. And you see Olive Garden tweeting back, like, DM us your information, like your confirmation number that we sent you, and we'll take care of it. And so I'm like, I'm not waiting for you to respond to me. I will send you this information right away. And like hours later, I get a thing from them saying, uh, I get a different email. They didn't respond to me. They just said, hey, your card's been accepted. We'll get this on your way. 
Do you remember when you got an iPhone or something and you got the nice box yes. and you open it up and it's like it's 17 like layers? Yeah, with the plastic wrapping. That is what I got do in you the have mail. It on you? I do have it on me. Oh my god. I'll show it to you. This thing is goddamn engraved with my name on it. Holy shit. It's gorgeous. So it's Olive Garden Never Ending Pasta Pass 2017. It has your name. It on has my it. name because apparently I can't send you if you wanted to go. Like, I no, could, you need to I look like me and have my ID. I have to eat it in the building, so I can't just take it out for lunch or something. But you can bring me, right? I could bring a friend, but then I got to pay for my friend. Well, I, okay. Here's the thing. Hemant came over tonight. We did a late recording. It's ten o'clock, and Hemant was like, "Oh, I was going to text you and see if you wanted to go to Olive Garden." And then I didn't. And of course, at that time, he did not know that my income had been reduced by (laughs) 60%. But hey, Hammond, on the air, I am home every day except for Tuesdays. Let's get some fucking pasta. Damn right. Well, here's the thing. Since I got this about a week and a half ago, no one, not only will no one go with me, because apparently this is not a thing normal people do. I can't even really go by myself because I'm either like <laughs> writing stuff or I'm practicing or I'm taking care of a mm-hmm. snotty toddler. But she's very nice. Don't talk <laughs> shit about your daughter on the air. No, literally, snotty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't been able to use this yet. And now I'm at the point where like I just get like family staring at me. They're saying, like, do you really want that much fettuccine? Yeah. Don't shouldn't you be running or something? I'm like. This is bad for a diet, isn't it? No. So I have gone zero times for my gorgeous card that I worked so hard to get. It's it is so, so disappointing. Hard. And I can't even give it to someone to enjoy. And it's good through what is it, November 18th? Mid-November. But the okay, question, have you I, done the math? Of course I've done the math. I need to go to 11 go? times to make this thing worthwhile. So once a week? Pretty much once a week, maybe twice, or think, just eat a lot when I'm there. I think it should be our pre-recording ritual then. Done. For the well, next... Listen, here's where I'm going with this. Listeners, if you live around <laughs> Chicago and you want to go out, <laughs> I'm just saying, for the next month and a half, I'm your friend. With the one on Route 59 is probably the closest <laughs> one to The one that's right between us? No, I, okay, see, here's how sad it is. I oh. planned this out because there's no way oh I can go to the God, same Olive Garden every nerd. day. So I tried to figure out how many different ones can I go to so they don't figure out that I'm some creep no, that goes every day for food. I feel food. like if you have that pasta pass, I feel like you get, it's, assuming you tip your servers, always tip your servers, yes. ladies and gentlemen. As long as you tip your servers, I they feel like they... Care. Yeah, like... Do I really want to be friends with all the other people who have this pass? Because I know if I go more than once, I'm going to start noticing. Well, the and now don't we're sit all at the in bar. this together. If you sit at the bar, you're inviting friends. If you sit by yourself at like a two-person booth, then you're probably fine. And either earbuds or a book. That's your Which key. is what normal people do at Olive Garden. They go with the headphones <laughs> and the book. This is what my life is. Re- Don't have kids is the moral of this story. Oh, perfect. Otherwise, nothing will happen. So perfect. There's your happy story. Oh, okay. My happy thing. Thank you for asking, Hemet. Yes. Uh, my happy thing is so since um, since November, something happened in November. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I've been like I, I've been on a bender of exclusive like comedy podcast listening tos. That was a sentence That's that true. I said. Yes. Um, like people keep trying to get me to listen to like um, Pod Save America, things like that, which I'm sure is excellent, but I'm like, I can't. I spend an hour a week yelling into a microphone. That's the same thing I say. It's like I read this stuff every day for the blog. Like the last thing I want to do is listen to a podcast where I hear the same stuff. Um, But the thing that has like saved my ass for the last 
you know, this year, 10 months. Um, I listened to, through twice, no brag, twice a podcast called The Adventure Zone. And it's a podcast about, uh, it's um, the McElroy Brothers. So my brother, my brother, and me is another podcast I listen to. But they do an adventure, what's it called? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast with their dad. And Griffin McElroy is the DM. And it starts as like this goofy thing of like they're just doing this thing. And it turns into one of my favorite pieces of storytelling I have ever heard in my entire life. Like, multiple times, the finale and a few episodes leading up to it, I was listening to it, sitting in my living room and weeping, like, openly (laughs) weeping. What is the podcast called? It's called The Adventure Zone. And they're just starting a new campaign. They're trying to figure out what their next step is. But it's it's this great thing that starts as like, oh, we're just going to do this dumb thing with our family so we have time together. And it is, uh, with absolute sincerity, like, the, the there's character development. It's <laughs> it's this incredible storytelling feat that, and, like, there's original music written for it. It's honestly so, 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 so good. So if anybody needs sort of a distraction from their life and us yelling once a week isn't enough, um, I would highly recommend The Adventure Zone. Start from the beginning, but it really picks it picks up maybe the second campaign. I It was one of those, like, I was listening to it just because, like, like I'll just try this. Something I like different. I like these boys, and the end of the it's like campaign. So at the end of the second campaign, I was like, "Why am I getting welled up in my car at a D and D podcast? That's something unexpected." That is anyway. Awesome. I I would recommend it if you're kind of and I don't know shit about Dungeons and Dragons, so it's not <laughs> even about that specific kind of nerddom. Anyway, sweet. So I think we should do that from now on. Done. It's nice thing. I'll try to make something good happen. <laughs> okay, Emmett, don't strain yourself. Though. Next week, I <laughs> ate at an olive garden <laughs> with me. Done. Um, so you know where to find us. Yeah, uh, Hammond Meta at Twitter. Blueberry B L U E B U R A E. Um, go to patreoncom slash Podcast. Yeah, and at least do- for two more weeks, go to Kickstarter and find Queer Disbelief. We're almost done with that campaign. We're getting close to getting toward that Star Wars shit. <laughs> ah, yes, I know I've been saying that for months, but we are getting closer. Uh, my uh, Etsy is bitches get stitched done. Uh, use offer code atheist, I think, and you get fifteen percent off. I think if that doesn't work, just message me. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of like custom shit for people. I'm doing one right now that is my fr- it's my friend who did it, but it's her dachshund uh, in a pumpkin, just oh poking out there because she wanted a, a fall themed cross stitch featuring Cute. her dog. And I did another one that said my favorite season is the fall of the patriarchy. <laughs> And holy fuck, that made me happy to do. So, yeah, come B- at minus. me, guys. God damn it. I didn't. That was not an ori- a Jessica original. Right. I, she, she gave me that. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.